Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. It's all too easy to let life's difficulties make us cold, hard, bitter, and as broken as a, an old clay pot. Luckily, though, we have a God who takes great pleasure in lovingly reshaping us into something fresh and new. Based on Jeremiah 18 and Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 40, this is the message we're calling, In the Hand of the Potter. Along a country road that winds through the village of Edgecombe, along the coast of Maine, Edgecombe, you go through there to get to Booth Bay Harbor, there is a small gift shop that specializes in handcrafted pottery. Actually, it's one of countless gift shops on that road. But, you know, over the years, this particular gift shop has always caught my eye because much of its inventory is outdoors. I mean, you can see it there from the road. It's all set up, all this beautiful earthenware displayed on shelves built along the sides of what looked to be a patio deck. And place settings of cups and plates and saucers set just so. Now, when we were living up that way, we used to drive by that shop a lot when we would get down to the coast of Maine, go visit Bay Harbor. And though, to be honest, at least I don't recall ever having gone inside that particular place has always held a strange place of fascination for me. And, and in fact, Lisa, if she recalls, could attest to the fact that I always ask the same question every single time we pass by it. Do you suppose that these people set that display out every single morning and then take it down every night? Aren't they afraid of theft or, or vandalism? Not to mention the stray bit of rock or road tar that might just go flying in that direction. And, and, and then I would go on with this because that's what I do. And what about wind and rain? What about the heat, the summer heat beating down? What happens when it's 90 degrees? Does it bake that earth and wear you beyond all recognition? Or for that matter, what about the imminent danger posed by a single unsupervised preschooler? The possibilities for potential destruction stagger the imagination. Well, you know, as I think about it, I'm pretty sure that wasn't their major concern. Their major concern was less the risk of damage than it was to attract some tourists and some out-of-staters and some impulse buyers, don't you know? But I'm also thinking that it also likely had something to do with the great pride of the artist, right? The pride that that potter took in his or her work. Because those who do pottery, make no mistake, they are artists. And these place settings, while certainly functional, were most certainly also created as works of art. 
each plate, each bowl, a creation of simple beauty, unique in design and style. And as one of those people, friends, who struggled valiantly in grade school to take a lump of clay and make it look like something that remotely resembled a candy dish, I stand amazed at that level of skill and care, to say nothing of the incredible patience that's required to create a work of art, to to come up with something so deceptively simple but so utterly beautiful as a coffee mug, say. Yes, patience is a big part of it because truly, in the creative process, there's always going to be some trial and error. In fact, I'm guessing that somewhere in this house of that potter in Edgecombe, because this gift shop was pretty much somebody's home, that somewhere in that house there's a back room. And in that back room, there is a shed maybe that serves as a cluttered and dusty workshop, a studio. And there, along with a potter's wheel, a water supply and some clay There's also going to be a wide array of works in progress that line up on the shelves. And alongside that, more than likely, there's also going to be a barrel filled with shards of broken and brittle clay. Misshapen, uneven pieces of pottery. Each one representing at least the attempt to make something beautiful earnest efforts that in the end weren't good enough to finish or else impossible to fix once the clay had hardened and become inflexible. Every time we come to that text in Jeremiah 18, I wonder if that is in fact what Jeremiah saw when the Lord sent him to the potter's house. That's a pretty interesting thing in of itself. It's not just that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. The the Lord said to Jeremiah, get up, get down to that potter shop and I'll get back to you. I wonder if this is what he saw. A barrel filled to the brim with discarded pieces of, of dried out, useless, broken clay. Now, if that's the case, if that's what Jeremiah saw, it must have sent chills through him to hear, to then hear the word of the Lord so clearly spoken all over the whirring drone of the potter's wheel. This is what the Lord says. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, as this potter has done? Like clay in the potter's hand, God says, so are you in my hand. At any moment, And this is the message translation. God says this, At any moment, I just might decide to pull up a people or a country by the roots. Get rid of them. Whoa. Pretty harsh words, to be sure. But then the prophet Jeremiah was accustomed to having to bring a hard word to the nation of Israel. The late, great Frederick Buechner, who passed away about a week ago, wrote about Jeremiah, and I always love this quote, there was not a thing that needed to be denunciated that Jeremiah did not denunciate. 
he brought that harsh word. And he was a young man, which made it kind of harsher to the older and established people of the temple. If it does evil in my sight, the Lord says through Jeremiah, if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, destruction and disaster will follow. Tell the people of Judah and Jerusalem, the Lord says, look, I, I am the potter, shaping evil against you and devising a plan against you. Turn now, turn from all of your evil ways and amend your ways and your doings. Now, this is not, (laughs) to say the least, a warm and fuzzy passage of Scripture. It's all pretty foreboding. There is a clear sense of judgment inherent in this passage. But notice there's a visual here. This is what I mean, how great it is that God simply just didn't say this. God sent Jeremiah down to the potter's house, and that was to provide a visual. And as Jeremiah is listening to the Lord speaking this disturbing, to say the least, word of prophecy, All the while, here's that potter, right there, working at the wheel. And in fact, he's not simply tossing away this lump of clay that he had been working on for so long. Yes, no doubt, this lump of clay was now misshapen and spoiled. It was unsuitable for any useful purpose. But, and I love this phrase because it says it all, as seemed good to him, The potter then takes that spoiled vessel in his hands and then with time and effort, with care and patience, he proceeds to mold it again into something beautiful. And that's the message here. Turns out that the Lord's intent is not to destroy or to bring disaster, But rather, it is the Lord's intent to create something beautiful. To create beauty, even from that which by all appearances is ruined. In other words, God's judgment is real. We can't walk away from this passage without understanding that there is a truthful element of judgment there. But, God's love is real, and it prevails. What we have here in this wonderful text that Kay shared with us is the image of God as an infinitely creative and loving potter who takes no pleasure at all in giving up on a vessel, but rather chooses to work with it again and again and again if necessary, lovingly reshaping it and molding it again until it last becomes the vessel that God has intended for it to be. Until at last it is formed into the work of art that God always intended for it to be. And more than simply a lump of clay, friends, understand that this is what God desires for all of his beloved creation. Most especially for his people of Israel. And therein is the good news for you and me today and that, that it is still God's desire for us. 
Jesus knew this to be true, did he not? In our gospel text today, Jesus is talking about all this in terms of preparing for the coming kingdom of God. Sell your possessions, he says to the disciples. Give alms to the poor. Make purses for yourself that don't wear out. Create an unfailing treasure in heaven and be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Now, it's important to recognize, friends, that when Jesus says these words in terms of, of the New Testament, of biblical times, and of for the people of Israel for that day, this is very apocalyptic language. It's talking about the end of the world. It's talking about the kingdom of God coming. And so if anyone else had spoken these words, those listening might well have run in fear that the world was going to end at any moment. That fiery judgment would accompany it. In other words, get rid of everything you have. You're not going to need it anyway. It's all over now. But Jesus, when he spoke the words, he is saying something a little bit different. Jesus understood that readiness was of the utmost importance. There are uh, lots of stories in the Gospels about you know not the day or the hour, so be ready, be alert. Don't be late for the wedding feast. And on and on it goes. But, so be ready. But Jesus also makes a point of saying the kingdom is coming, but that is not something that should fill us with terror. On the contrary, Jesus says, don't be afraid, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't you realize can't you see? Don't you get it? Jesus says, even now, even right now with all this stuff around you seems to be so foreboding, God is joyfully readying you for the kingdom by shaping you and reshaping you to be the people that God has always intended for you to be. Don't you know that however fearful and broken and ruined you might feel at this moment, that is surpassed beyond limit in the ways that God already sees you, the way God has always seen you, as something, someone who is good and beautiful and perfect. You know, that is so important for us to hear, especially these days. Because in truth, there's a whole lot of people in this life, so many people in these days, who simply do not understand just how good and beautiful and perfect that they are. Who do not have any clue at all that in infinite and graceful love, God has always and does always intend for them to be beautiful in every single way. You know, over the years, I have discovered, as I'm sure a lot of you have, that one of the inevitable byproducts of air travel is that you spend a fair amount of time at airports waiting for delayed flights to arrive and depart. Now, truthfully, I don't fly all that much. It has been better part of a decade since we've flown anywhere. But we've been there to pick people up at the airport, and we have had our flights here and there. And... I don't think we have ever flown anywhere, anywhere, without 
waiting for some kind of, of delay to get over with, without some expected layover in some unexpected locale. But I also have to tell you that, that I have to confess here that, that such delays lend themselves to great opportunity, if for nothing else, than people watching. More to the point, I would suggest that maybe an airport is one of the great opportunities for seeing people at their best and occasionally at their worst. For instance, it was in the midst of such delay that I have seen the love in the eyes of newlyweds cuddled up together while waiting to get to their honeymoon destination. I have watched a young mother and father passing the time to play peekaboo with their giggling baby and, and how they wore smiles that would light up a room. I told you earlier, when Sylvie came in this morning, I just decided, I don't need to preach, just hold Sylvie up. <laughs> because something about a baby does that to people. And I've seen the fullness of joy emanating from a couple of grandparents. A fullness exceeded only by the carry-ons that are quite literally stuffed with gifts for those children who are waiting for them on the other end of the line. By the same token, though, and maybe you can attest to this, I have also, in airport lounges, seen eyes that are filled with fatigue, annoyance, impatient, frustration, and downright anger. Now, admittedly, a lot of that comes from the delays themselves. People are always in their head mentally saying, well, am I gonna, if I miss this connection, am I going to be able to make that uh, connection at Dulles or in Chicago or wherever? But it's also times when you see expressions that convey something deeper. I mean, you know the kind of look I'm talking about, right? Truth be told, you catch that same look in the waiting room of the DMV or at the checkout line at Market Basket. Except for this new one. Everybody's so excited about this new one, they'll just smile through the big lines. But you know what I'm talking about. It's the kind of look that lets you know right away, don't come anywhere near this person because this is one tough, angry individual. It's a hard look. A hard look that it is as though the weight of the world is on this person's shoulders and you can see the strain of living right in their eyes. I see someone like that and I have to wonder just exactly what it was that brought the person to that point. What it was that may have happened in his or her life that gave them such a hard look. I wonder what it would take for them to have that burden lightened, to relax the furrowed brow, to look relaxed, to smile. Now, I know it's not that simple. I know that you can't always judge a book by its cover. But my point in telling you all this is that it's all too easy in this life to become hard and cold and brittle and broken. It is so very easy to be broken in these days. And that brokenness does tend to show forth from us. The fact is, is that for many of us, there are moments in life 
when we become so discouraged that we start to lose hope in all things, not just the situation you're in. There are times when our faith starts to waver and we, we doubt that when we start doubting it that we're ever going to live the kind of life we've been longing for, much less ever becoming the people that God has envisioned us to be. We so often allow the hard knocks of life and the injustices of the world make us tough and brittle. And somewhere along the line, we end up completely in what feels like irreparably broken. That's how life is. That's how the world can be at times. But isn't it interesting, though, that it's invariably in situations like that that God reaches out. God reaches in and somehow manages to break through to our lives and to our hearts. It can happen in a variety of ways. Maybe and in some instances primarily in the love of family and the support of friends. Perhaps it comes in the thoughtful and unexpected gestures of support and caring that came when we needed them the most. Or maybe it was felt in a moment of indescribable and yet palpable peace that could only come by God's own spirit. Many of us, and I've heard these stories from you and it's happened in our own lives, in our family, that there come moments all of a sudden when inexplicably there is a sense of peace that, with which you are filled. And you know, well, things aren't going great right now, but it's going to be all right because God said so. However it happens, friends, it's the moment when we discover in some miraculous way that God has gotten through to us and we discover that though we have been bruised that we were broken along the way we're not going to stay cold or brittle forever for even in our brokenness God intends and will remold us into something beautiful reworked and shaped for a new and blessed future so that at the last we might truly be that which God has created us to be and calls us to be as it seems good for the potter. It's true. It is true. And if you take nothing else home with you today, take this. God is the potter. We are the clay. And in the hand of the potter, we are made truly beautiful. But here's the thing, friends. It still falls to you and me to allow the potter to do his or her work. It still falls to us to let God do God's thing. There was a second century theologian by the name of Irenaeus who expressed this beautifully. He wrote, It is not you who shapes God. It is God who shapes you. If then you are the work of God, await the hand of the artist who does all things in due season. 
Offer the potter your heart, soft and retractable. And keep the form in which the artist has fashioned you. Let your clay be moist, lest you grow hard and you lose the imprint of the potter's fingers. I like that so much, I'm going to say it again. Lest you grow hard and lose the imprint of the potter's fingers. To put this another way, every one of us here, friends, is a work in progress. No matter how finished any of us think we may be, no matter how broken we may perceive ourselves to be, God isn't done working on us yet. We need faith. Faith to let God keep working. We need to open ourselves to his work in his loving hand. We need to keep our hearts soft and pliable so that the great beauty that God sees within each and every one of us might truly become the reality of our lives and living. For that and so much more, friends, thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, In the Hand of the Potter. It was recorded during our August the 28th service of worship at East Congregational Church in Concord, New Hampshire, where, by the way, we gather for worship every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, which is just off exit 16 on I-93. Now, if you're visiting New Hampshire this summer looking for a place to worship, we'd love to have you join us. We are a small, mighty, and very welcoming congregation and I think you'll be glad you came. I know I'll be glad to be able to greet you. And with that, we come to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.